0: Me, then I live under the assumption that you owe me. And so remember, we talked about these these things being things that are important to you how you deal with conflict resolution, Um, how amazing you look in bed, okay, Um, how you manage time, and you know, if you're going to be gluten free or not, who's going to do the chores, how you're going to deal with discipline, if you're going to have babies or not. We talked about. we talked about the calendar and as you guys look and planning your life, all of these things are expectations amongst a lot of other things. And we said, we take this box and we give it to our spouse and we say, man, um, this is what our future looks like together. Isn't that awesome? And unfortunately, your spouse hands you their box also that um, typically doesn't line up with your box. And, and then there's, there's, a, um, there, there's a difficulty that, that's created because there's expectations that are colliding. And uh, when eyes collide, we lose. So what we said was Christ-centered relationships, and we drew a distinction between what the world does, right? Because we said what, what happens when this takes place is a one of a number of things, right? We leave, that was one of the things we said, is like, you just bounce, I'm out, right? Or we fold, or we win, or we compromise. And, and, and we talked about there's a different way. Christ-centered relationships believe that we owe each other nothing, We owe each other everything, but are owed nothing in return. Answering that question, what do they owe me? Do they owe me meeting my expectations? Do they owe me that? Or do they owe me nothing, but we owe each other everything in return? So it's this idea that I'm going to give all of me. I am fully all in, fully committed. And yet I'm not going to live with this debt-debtor relationship where you owe me. Because, the, because we talked about how unconditional love is very difficult to, to pick out when you're in a debt debtor relationship. Because if you owe me, then you can't love me. If you owe me flowers, when you bring me flowers, you're just doing your job. And, and we, we, we don't often express a lot of gratitude to somebody who's just meeting our expectations and so we talked about what we do with this box we don't throw it out we don't say these things are not important because then we end up with resentment what we said was patience teaches us to surrender our expectations to God in other words we keep our awesome things that are going to make our life awesome the right way to do things right wink, the right way to do things. We keep those in our box and we say, God, you know my heart's desires. You know what I want. You know what's important to me. And more important than that, you know what's going to be awesome for our relationship. You know what's going to be helpful for our relationship versus just things that I think in my mind, my way. And so I'm going to surrender these to God. I'm going to give them to God. I'm going to say, I'm going to choose patience. I'm going to choose loving my spouse, believing in my spouse. And last week we talked about Committing to my spouse, not just committing to the relationship or to the marriage as an institution, but committing to the person. And I have Heather on the front row today. Last week, she heard it was a little sketchy, so she's like, I better sit in on this one. So today we're going to tackle communication. Communication's is obviously uh, one of the key cornerstones to any healthy relationship. Um, and so we're going to start in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 15. It says, instead we speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. And so here's the good news. And I say that tongue in cheek because it's good because there's a level playing field. It's bad because there's dysfunction involved. The good news is we are all fairly dysfunctional in this area in one of three areas and when i say them you'll you'll identify with one and maybe you've known this about yourself and you've kind of worked on it but we all have a tendency of falling in one of these three areas and so the three areas are you're either a truth teller you're a passive aggressive or you're a peacekeeper just let that settle in for a minute so that's outlined in this verse that we read Speak the truth in love. There's three components. And if you're lacking any one, then you fall into one of these categories. So the first one is this. You have a tendency to speak the truth, but there's not a lot of love involved. So it's commonly referred to as a truth teller. They have little regard for feelings and are emboldened by their truth that will win the day. I'm looking for any elbows going underneath. the That's you, babe. The next one is uh, you speak the truth in love. There's a lot of truth and there's a lot of love, but you don't say it. Commonly referred to as a passive aggressive. They're aware of their truth, but lack the courage or skill to communicate it. This behavior can appear unpredictable and often manipulative. I know. Uh, last one is speak the, speak, uh, the truth in love. So, so there's a lot of speaking and there's a lot of love, but there's not a lot of truth because you're just trying to keep the peace. So commonly referred to as peacekeeper, they regularly surrender their truth to appease another. This often res- results in discouragement and eventually resentment. Okay, so now that we can, none of us can relate with that, <laughs> moving on. So I say all that to say, when it comes to communication, it's just good to like kind of go... Where do I fall based on my personality, based on my experience, based on what's been modeled for me? We all have one of those tendencies. And obviously, God wants us to put it all together and have something healthy. But before you just jump in and go, all right, I just got to speak more. I just got to do this more. um, That may not be productive um, because we want to approach the remedy in a healthy way. Um, And so... I wrote here, before you jump into and course correct, let me give you a universal tool that is key to narrowing the gap in your communication. Essentially, that's what we're saying today. There's a gap in your communication. You and your spouse, you and your friends, you and your significant other, there can be a gap, and today, hopefully, we're going to get some tools to narrow that gap and land in a place that Jesus would want you to land for your relationship and um and I call it the um, the doorway to connection, the doorway to connection, and it's this: listen, love, and lead the doorway to connection. and if you don't hear anything else today, please hear that what we're going to talk about today is so much more than just learning to communicate, learning to communicate our hopes, dreams, and desires, learning to communicate our expectations, talking better, talking more, all those things are good, but really there's a a key word here, and it is connection, because we all have been in a relationship where maybe there's a lot of talking, maybe there's a lot of truth, and maybe even there's some love somewhere in there, but there's very little connection, and if we're honest, that's what we want. We want connection. We want intimacy. And this is won and lost in communication. James 1 chapter 19, chapter 1 verse 19 and 20 is kind of where we're going to land for our key verse today. It says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Why? Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. And so, we're gonna unpack listen, love, and lead. And like I said, this is, this is a phenomenal tool anytime you're having a hard conversation. You just remember these three things and do these three things, and I promise you, it will go a lot better. Listen, love, and then lead in that order. So the first thing is listen. Quick to listen, quick to listen, quick to listen. Quick to listen all good communication and it's counter counterintuitive all good communication starts with listening you'd think the opposite you'd think good communication starts with a bold statement no good communication always starts with listening we all want the same thing at the end of the day as i said in the, in terms of this doorway to connection we all want the same thing we want to be heard and understood Who does not want to be heard and then understood? I mean, all of us have been heard a lot at your job, right? With your colleagues, with your spouse, with your friends, with a disagreement. Like we've all been heard and misunderstood. But it's a sweet spot when you can be heard and understood. Unfortunately, being misunderstood is at an all-time high and listening is at an all-time low. Just in culture. I mean, just jump online for five seconds and you have a whole lot of communication with no listening, no leaning in, no understanding. And consequently, connection is immediately lost. Maybe you still have internet, but connection's lost. You just have talking, noise. Anybody know what that feels like in a relationship? (laughs) You guys are glaring at me like, geez, this is gonna be brutal when i get home okay (laughs) being being understood strikes at a core of our identity because it affirms you see me as i see me this this opened up so much in our relationship when we discovered this um, in our times of counseling being understood strikes at a core of our identity because it affirms you see me as i see me Connection is lost when you don't see me as I see me. We often spe- see our spouse or, this, or a friendship through a lens of hurt and disappointment. And so we see something different. Have you ever talked to somebody and you're pouring out your heart and you know that they just see you in an entirely different light, right? Right? And so why is there no healthy communication? Because the lens that y'all have at one another are completely different. And our counselor helped us narrow the gap and he called it integrity, an integrity in a relationship. You see one another as you see yourself. So when you're able to communicate with somebody, a spouse, and you lean in for connection and you know that the eyes glaring back at you are seeing you as you see you, your intention your desires, your passions. There's that intimate connection. Why? Because you've taken time to listen and understand and lean in. Seeing your spouse is the doorway to connection and intimacy. So this is the point in the sermon where it gets awkward. So if you're here with a significant other, I want you to turn to them. If you're not, you can use this. So just... File it away. I want you to turn to them and I want you to look at them in the eyes and you're not allowed to look away. So don't look at me and I, I want you to focus on their eyes. I'm gonna, we're going to do this for 20 seconds. Our counselor made us do it for two minutes. Two minutes is an eternity. 15 seconds will feel like that. You got 10 more seconds. You have to focus on the eyes and you can't look away. Five seconds. All right, now look here. You've probably never looked at somebody's eyes for that long. Listen, this is a beautiful tool. Because here's what our counselor did. We sat at each other and he just sat right there. The whole, the whole two minutes, it felt like, literally felt like five hours, right? <laughs> and then he asked the question, what do you see? And then we got to share. And I said, Heather, this is what I see when I look you in the eyes for an eternity. And it's super awkward. <laughs> but, but this is what I see. This is who I see you to be. This is seeing through my lens, this is who you are. Now, obviously the goal is it's something positive comes out of your mouth and not like you're this and you're there. That. That's not gonna help connection. But like seeing past the emotion and the frustration and the unmet expectations, who you are, who i married, who I'm in relationship with, this is who I know you to be. And when your spouse does that to you and they nail it, connection, connection. It is so beautiful because there's nothing like feeling seen. And the opposite is true. There's nothing like having a communication, having a conversation, a heated, difficult conversation with somebody. And you're like, you don't even see me. You have no idea where I'm coming from. You have totally misread my motives and everything coming out of your mouth is you're talking to a different version of me that I am, but you think I'm that person. But when you narrow that gap and you're able to communicate, wow, like you see me, you see my real intentions. I understand that my real intentions don't always come out. I understand I put my foot in my mouth. I understand I don't always do things I should do, but like my intentions and my desires at the core of who I am, you see me. Wow. Amazing. Anybody with me? You guys were like, I don't don't, even know. I'm just still stuck on staring at them for two minutes. So that's listen. Okay. The next one is love, and it has to do with listening, but it has to do with how you listen. So this is going to be a little bit more practical. We're talking about narrowing that gap of your communication with your spouse or your significant other, your friend. Narrowing that gap. And, and opening up that doorway to connection. The first one is leaning in to understand, to see that other person for who they really are, past your biases, past the emotion, past the frustration, past the unmet expectations for who they are. So the next one is we're gonna love and we're gonna be slow to speak. How do we do that? Well, it's an amazingly long list and I'm gonna share it with you. This is my list. This is my list. You may have to come up with your own, but the first one that I learned is I have to ask my spouse, are you prepared to listen? This has transformed our communication because most of the time when you need to talk, you just let it rip, right? No matter how convenient the moment is, right? If you're frustrated, you're going to let it rip. Um, and I'll show you how destructive that is, but, but let's just start here. Um, the first key is when you need to talk, whether it's finances, hey, we need to talk about you know, child raising, we need to talk about our disconnection, you said something to me. If, if, if it's more complicated than, you know, honey, can you bring me some coffee? If, if you need to have a conversation, then, then, then have the love and courtesy to say, there's something on my heart are, are you, Are you? is this a good time? However you want to say it, is this a good time? Now, the key is there's rules of safety. I change it from rules of engagement because that sounds too combative. And the truth is these rules are going to create a safe place for your spouse to not feel like they're going to get ambushed. When you say, can we talk? <laughs> hey babe, um, can we talk? Anybody ever feel like, oh my gosh, this is going to be brutal. Hello, guys, come on. I know where you're at. So, so are you prepared to listen? Can we talk? So you got rules and first of all, you have to allow them to say no, it's not actually a good time. Now, the key to that is: our key is within 24 hours, I have to give her some space to do that in. I can't, I can't just push it inevitably. <laughs> no, it's never a good time, right? If, if, if she's going to give me the freedom to say, no, I'm just, I'm not in a good spot. I'm not going to be able to listen the way I want to listen. And so how does tomorrow morning work? Or how does tonight work? Or how does this afternoon, it's going to be a better time for me? Or hey, can you just give me 15 minutes? I'm going to go for a walk and then I'm going to come back, right? But you have to give that freedom to say, no, it's not good. Let me tell you when is, right? So those are safety. Um, we, ne- we, we don't use always and never. Now, Sometimes it happens, right? But those are those are really um, combative words. You always do this. You never do this. We all do it, so don't feel bad that you do this. But those are not helpful words because they're not true. More importantly, you're 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 opening the gap for bad communication because you're losing connection. Because when you say you're always or you never, your spouse is instantly saying you don't see me as I see me because that's not how I see me. I don't see myself as always failing. But in this moment, in your emotion, you're saying you're always a failure. And so instantly connections lost and instantly I'm defensive because you just called me out on something that I don't, deep in my heart, I'm like, ah, it's so hard to, to grasp. So stay away from those words because they're just not helpful. No matter how much you're like, "Ah, ah," right, you got to step back. We don't ever threaten with the D word or anything that remotely comes close to it, right? We don't use that language. Why? Because I'm committed to Heather and she's committed to me. So no matter how bad, how dark, I'm going to create a safe environment where she never thinks I'm even entertaining, that garbage and I can't tell you how many marriages throw that garbage around not because they're even necessarily intending to but they just they're they're just trying to find something to throw at their spouse right and so they're just like take this I'm gonna walk out right <laughs> it's true or or take this right it's just like I just need a good uppercut like poof, right I'm so mad at you and you're not hearing me so poof, right not helpful That is the worst thing you can do. Okay, last, again, our list is a lot longer than this, but for the sake of time, I'm just giving you an idea. Like, these are things we've agreed upon and yours might be different, although I encourage you to take a couple of these because they're really important. But the last one is, we don't discuss anything important after 10 o'clock. This is a huge win because nothing good happens after 10 (laughs) (laughs) o'clock. Both. (laughs) Because... Because, I, okay, I'm not even going to say because, because we are going to share why. And the next one is, um, love prepares to listen objectively. So we're, we're, we're going we're gonna to create a safe environment. And so this, this, is the thing that love, this is the second thing that love does. Love prepares to listen objectively. So I have an object lesson. I love golf. Some of you know that. So here's the, here's the thing, guys. Listening is a lot like swinging the golf club. You can grab a football or a baseball and you can think, not even think twice about it and toss it and it's gonna generally go in the right direction. Golf, there's such a small margin of error that at any given time, no matter how good you are, if you just get up without looking at the ball and just kind of like do this, it is gonna shank so hard, it's gonna probably hit the person next to you. And, 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 and listening is one of those things that we don't take effort in preparing ourselves to do. And most of the time we shank it into the woods because our spouse says, I need to talk to you. And you're like, fine, <sighs> what do you want? Right? Another talk that doesn't go good. And now I'm already preparing myself to absolutely duff it into the woods. So I always think golf because I like golf and I know how hard it is. And so I brought two clubs because, first of all, golf is like you focus on the grip. I mean, you got to line up correctly. I'm thinking through my mechanics, right? I never jump up to the ball if I'm all worked up over the last shot. Like, I, right? It's like you get to walk in between shots, right? And you're just like, all right, i got to focus on this shot. I'm not going to worry about the last shot. I'm not going to worry about the last jab that that she gave me, he gave me, whatever happened. I'm going to focus on this moment. Because I want to hit this thing straight. So I'm going to set up. Now, I put, brought two clubs because I have a pitching wedge and I have a driver. Now, the pitching wedge um, is the easiest club for me to hit in the bag. And it doesn't require all that much prep. And so I'll, I'll hop up and this is my routine. I'll grab the club, kind of look where I'm going to go, and then I'll swing. And typically it goes straight. There's some intention involved. And that, in my mind, would be a conversation that isn't hard for me to have with Heather, but is important, right? So like, so like if we're going to sit down with the budget, for instance, um, you know, don't get me wrong, there's been colliding a bit in, in our History with, with finances because uh, Heather's way better at money than I am. But we've met in the middle and, and we've, we're in a good spot with this. And, and that conversation is not difficult, but it requires intention. And so I, like I prepare myself and like I want to listen and I want to be good, but it's not one of those that typically goes off the rails. There are others, however, that require a lot more focus for me. And I would attribute this to the driver. And for me, the driver, the driver has the potential of going like 260 yards but it also has the potential of going 260 yards that way, which often happens because it's really hard to hit. And so if you played golf with me, you know that my routine with this one is I'll step up and I'll kind of do one of these numbers and then I'll do a practice swing, which I don't do with the iron. I'll practice swing. And then I step back and... I twirl it in my arm. I don't know why I do that, but I do. And I look out and I look at my watch and I kind of come back and I'm breathing and I'm thinking, don't shank it, don't shank it. I'm Roy, I'm Roy McElroy. okay, don't shank it. And then I sit up and I, I look for a while. I mean, it's this long process. And then I finally hit it and it still most of the time doesn't go straight, right? Everybody around's like, geez Louise, just hit the ball, right? And then it's all that process and you still shank it because it's really important as the potential of being amazing And it also has the potential of going really bad. So my question to you is, what's your preparation for listening? How much time do you take to do the thing that's probably the most important thing in your relationship? And that is leaning in to understand and really see your spouse. So when your spouse says, hey, can we have a conversation? Are you prepared? Well, which club do I need to get? <laughs> Which conversation are we having, right? Well, um, you know, it's just like, we need to talk about us. Okay, that's the driver. <laughs> so I'm gonna need to go for a walk, babe, right? I'm gonna get some worship music on. I'm gonna really, I'm gonna really dial this in. Why? Because I wanna hit it straight. I wanna hit, a, I wanna hit a bomb down the middle. And so I'm gonna prepare myself to give myself the very best in that moment. Okay, next one. Love listens to understand and learn and not reply. Anybody in a relationship? Again, this is when you're not prepared and you're not doing a good job with your swing. And so, you know, your spouse is talking and you're just seeing their lips move and you're just like ready to pounce. Like, I know, I know, I know. But this, right? Like, oh, I didn't think about this, right? There's no listening involved. Right, you're just waiting for your turn to reply. Listening is not the space between when you talked and then when you get to talk again. That space is not listening, right? Um, and so the important thing is when they're talking that you're really um, that you're really leaning in. Uh, and in the last, and up there, prepare to listen objectively. So that's part of this thing. When you're listening to understand and reply, you have to have this objective view. I don't know why we're so we're such narcissists when it comes to our important relationships and communication. We're always thinking that you're pointing the finger at me, this is about me, and you're just like, you're not doing this. And most of the time, like, they're just hurting. And they need somebody to say like, I love you, babe. And you're right, like this at some level has something to do with me, but there's a bigger picture. So I'm able to step back and not take it so personally personal we'll get through this let's let's work together i, I hear you I, I i understand this is important to you and so we lean in to understand and to learn anybody ever had their spouse you talk about your spouse you're like i don't understand why she i don't understand why he i don't understand who needs to learn i don't understand we need to learn why they do X, Y, and Z. So we lean into learn, ask questions. Next one is love listens to the heart, not just the words. And then the last one is repeat it back. What I heard you say is. So again, this is, these are just ways to love in a, in a, in a conversation. When, 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 when somebody's expressing their heart, it's great to say, rather than pouncing on them, right? Because they got it all wrong. They totally misrepresented you in the whole situation and you just can't wait to get the, you know, the knockout punch because then the conversation is going to be totally over and you're going to win instead of doing that. So here's what I heard you say. Here's what I, I, I hear is important to you. Whether I agree with you or not, let me validate that this is important to you. Now I realize if I did these things, it would be amazing. We are all in a work of progress. The last one is this, lead. And we'll land the plane on this. Is this helpful? Lead. Slow to demand our way. So we started out with, we're going to listen. And then we're going to love. So we're not just preparing ourselves to listen, but we're really preparing ourselves actively to lean in and to understand, to, to how do I love this person, even if I disagree, right? I'm not threatened by a difference of opinion, right? I'm leaning into, I want to understand you. And then lastly, where are we going to take this thing? Where, where is this ship going? Because if you go into a conflict or if you see your spouse in a certain light where you're just like, at the end of the day, I'm going to do all these things as long as the outcome is my way. Well, then we're right back here. Babe, I understand you have a box and you have some desires and things that are important to you. And I'm all for listening to those. In fact, you can unpack your entire box for me as long as we still land on my way. I'm good. Aren't you good? I've listened. I've even asked questions. But my way is better. My way is more biblical. So we lead. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read for you um, a slightly different version of the James verse that we read that is indicative of, if you look into the meaning of the words, words like anger, It says this, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to demand your way. Because your rightness does not produce what God desires. Which leads us to like the most important question. And that is, what is your agenda or goal in conflict? Right? When, if you say, you know, to your spouse, like, "I, I need to talk to you. What's the goal? The goal is a couple of sucker gut punches, right? To where they they understand and they're going to change because things need to change because you have expectations. What is your desire in conflict? And then the better question is, what is God's desire? And this is where we kind of hit the crossroads of all the things that I've mentioned are just like good self-help Healthy communication stuff. And then we step into the God agenda. And this is where it separates you and I and our relationships from any others. And this is what sets us apart as people of God how we deal with our desires and how we think this thing should go, how we surrender our expectations. To God. So James has a divine agenda beyond simply better communication here. And his divine agenda is laid out. The righteous, it does not produce the righteousness of God. Your anger, your desire to be right, your holding on to your way, even if it's a better way. Babe, have you seen my box? It's amazing. Even if it's a better way. It doesn't produce what God desires for you and me and our relationships. And if I, you've never heard before or if you've never entertained the idea before, you can write yourself right out of the relationship. You can be the most right person in the room all the time and you will be alone. Because that's not what God desires. God didn't come to be right. He came to lay down his rights so that you and I can be reconciled. And at the end of the day, if you want to talk about what your goal is for the relationship and for the conflict and what God's goal is, your goal is to be right. And his goal in that very same interaction is reconciliation. Connection. Connection. True, heart-level connection. And if you need to be right, connection will elude you. It will be the constant thing that you try to grasp because I'm right, even if you are. This is where we choose again to surrender our expectations to God. When we do this when we can surrender our expectations for how this whole thing went and what direction we go we partner with him and we step into the agenda of god for our relationships heaven's eyes give me heaven's eyes give me heaven's eyes I don't want to see my spouse. I don't want to see my friend. I don't want to see my colleague or my boss or my other, you know, these these conflicts that I have. I don't want to see them through jaded, hurt, dysfunctional lens. I want to see them through heaven's eyes. God, how do you see my spouse? How do you see them? Because this is what I see. God, they're just so frustrating. They don't like playing tennis. And they're just how they deal with they always make me clean the diapers. And it's just like they're always, they don't want to talk, and there's just so many frustrating things, and they eat too many donuts. And 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 so and so I have these frustrations, and so God, how do you see them? Because this is the sweet spot of the agenda of God in these communication interactions is God, I want to see them not just as they see them, but I want to go a step higher than that. God, how do you see them? So much of this journey that we're on in in our spouse is, is understanding that God has placed you in their life. So it requires us to take a step back from our narcissistic relationship that we are all in because it's about me and how I'm treated and go, wow, maybe they need me in their life. Not to say that like I have something amazing to bring to the table because the truth is Heather has and will continue to make me way better than I'll ever make her. But at the end of the day, I believe... God brought us together to do something beautiful. And maybe God wants me to surrender my expectations for the sake of another, because God put me in this relationship. He didn't choose Lee. He chose me. He didn't choose Josh. God chose me. God chose you in your relationship. And and, and again, this is the case for your job at work and the neighbor that annoys you and all of these relationships that God orchestrates. He placed you there. So instead of, they don't meet my expectations. Gosh, why won't they just get it? I'm better. And my way is better. Instead, God wants to use you In them, in their relationship, in their life. And it's from acceptance and love, surrendering my expectations to God and saying, God, use me to love them, to lean in and understand them. So the only question is will you accept His way or will you demand your way? Heaven's doorway to connection. We listen. Then we love, not respond. That's what we wanna do. We wanna listen and we wanna respond. We listen, and then we love. Just, we love. How do we want this to turn out? And then at the end of the day, we lead towards God outcome and not our own. Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you for the way that you are building this community to have amazing, healthy relationships. Father, I lift up every marriage that's in this room, every marriage that's watching online. Lord, uh, we're surrounded by marriages. And God, there's so many relationships that are fractured and struggling. And God, we wanna stand in the gap as a church and say this house and our friends and our family members will have healthy relationships and healthy marriages. Marriages that thrive, relationships that thrive not because we're so cunning and we're so uh, persuasive, but because we've yielded to the agenda of God. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you.